Hello, welcome to It's Friday, your mail plus guide to the best of what's happening in the world of arts and entertainment. My name's Jim White and this week we'll be enjoying Kate Blanchett's performance in the new television series, Mrs. America. I am not against women working outside the home, that's their choice. What I am against is a small elitist group putting down homemakers. They want to create a sex-neutral society, which will mean that women are going to find themselves with two full-time jobs. Plus, we'll be hearing from Nigel Planer about his role in the BBC's There She Goes as the grumpy old grandpa of a child with learning difficulties, a grandparent who goes by a wholly inappropriate nickname. He's got the nickname for him, Gandalf, Grandpa Gandalf. And she she can't say much, but the thing she really can express is that she's desperately excited to see Gandalf, and she just loves Gandalf. First, though, to shine a light on the best of the week's entertainment, I'm joined by the Daily Mail's movie critic Brian Viner, the Mail's television writer Claudia Connell, and direct from New York, the Mail's own Samuel Peeps of the Big Apple, uh, Jackie Stephen. Claudia, you've been watching the new BBC drama Mrs. America, I believe. I have. I've watched the whole thing. I think it's been the highlight of my lockdown viewing, definitely. You can watch all nine episodes on iPlayer, although the BBC are eking out week by week on BBC Two, if you prefer to watch it that way. Um, and it's, it's just absolutely brilliant. It's a drama about the uh, the women's liberation movement in the USA. Kate Blanchett is, is the star of it. She's also the executive producer. And she plays this um, this terrifying woman called Phyllis Schlafly, who's a real-life character. She was like America's answer to, to Mary Whitehouse. And she's in on this mission to stop the women's libbers because she thinks they're going to damage the homemakers. And it's it's absolutely... She's just spellbinding. Once I watched one episode, I just had to had to watch the whole lot. So we can, actually, we can listen to a little clip here. Please join me welcoming... They say that women are like tea bags. You don't know their strength until they get into hot water. We need to talk about the threat of the women's liberation movement. So you need to tell your senators you want them to vote no on this equal rights amendment so we can have a country that we are proud to leave our daughters. We can't get enough of uh, Kate Blanchett, can we, Brian? Oh, I think she's she's wonderful. I was just uh, that that your description there, uh, Claudia, reminded me of Misbehaviour. That film. Did you see? Did you see that film about covered the same area, but from the perspective of Miss World, the nineteen seventy. Oh, yeah, that was quite recent, wasn't it? Kira Knightley. Recent, yeah, yeah. With Kira Knightley. Yeah. yeah, which wasn't much good, but this sounds way better. I haven't seen mm. it yet, but I really. Oh yeah, you have to watch it. Everyone tells me I look like Kate Blanchett. They say it was like we're separated at birth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your laughter there. Uh, Kate, I mean Jackie. Um, uh, got, Jackie, we've got the privilege of seeing you on Zoom, and it uh, yeah. absolutely, like- of course, I was about to call you Kate. Uh, but um, yeah. is Mrs. Shafley? I can't even pronounce her name. I'm sorry, Claudia. Is she still a figure in the United States, or has she been largely forgotten? She died. I think she died. She died a few a few years ago. So this is why they're able to sort of uh, to tell her story and maybe not be quite as as kind as they'd have to be towards her if she was still alive. <laughs> can't libel the dead yeah. um uh, brian what have you been watching uh, there's a film called come as you are which is available on video on demand platforms jim and it's a it's really good it's a big-hearted film uh, directed by a guy called richard wong 
and it tackles the big subject of disability. So there are three main characters, and, and the film reminds us that, you know, while not all their body parts might work, they're still fully rounded human beings with all the same urges and character flaws as, as everyone else. But if that, I can see Jackie getting a little bit uh, anxious about that. This is not so much a film with an agenda, Jackie. No, I'm uh, laughing because a... of the director's name, which is Dick Wong. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only reason that I'm going into spasm here. <laughs> we can't. Um, yes, this is, uh, this is not so much a film with an agenda. It's a, it's, a, it's a work of entertainment. It's a comedy, really. And it's a remake of a 2011 Belgian film called Hasta la Vista. So, yeah, these three main characters are, of course, Scotty and Matt and Mo. Two of them are paralysed and in wheelchairs. One of them is blind. And when the three of them hear that there's a, a brothel in Montreal which caters for men like themselves, well, they all want to go because they're all virgins and they crave a sexual experience. But they live in Colorado, so what's needed is a big road trip and they have to hire a driver uh, who's played by Gabourey Sidibe, if you remember her from the 2009 film Precious. She's absolutely terrific in this film. And really, it's, it's the story of that. There's one very funny scene in which they, she's the driver, but they have to drive the van themselves. And that leads to an encounter with a cop, which we can hear here. Act really cool. Just act cool. I've got uh, two um, persons with disabilities. Persons with disabilities and a blind guy. Excuse me, it's visually impaired. Uh, visually impaired gentleman. So it's a, yes, it, it's a film with great heart and great empathy. But there is one bone of contention, Jim, which is that the the three lead actors. Grant Rosenmeyer, Hayden Shetto, and Ravi Patel are all able-bodied in real life. Uh, so there have been some people getting in there, you know, knickers in a right old twist about that. It doesn't bother me. I, I think they're all brilliant. And you wouldn't recast Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot. Uh, so, um, you know... I, th I, I think the word you're looking for, Brian, is they're actors, aren't they? Yeah, it's an actors acting is about pretense, isn't it? And they're, you know, and they're, they're, they're just very, very good. And it's a, it's, a, it's a really terrific film for really warm-hearted and you'll know, you'll, you'll leave it with a smile on your face. Uh, and talking of uh, warm-hearted, uh, Jackie, uh, Fleabag was the great success uh, of British television last year. Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, went on to huge things. But I understand um, there's been a slight stalling, shall we say, in her career in the States. Yes, her latest series run has been axed after just one series. It's had really good reviews because I think that nobody likes to disturb the emperor's new clothes image because she's already very successful. So nobody wants to be the first person to come out and say that it's not great. It's an American black comedy thriller and it premiered on April the 12th on HBO and it's been dropped because they say that it doesn't really connect with American audiences. I think that the, one of the problems appears to be that nobody actually believes the relationship between the two characters. I have a problem with it for different reasons, and it's partly my problem with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who always seems to me, her characters rather, seem to be so pleased with themselves. Now, in this, she plays a friendly taxidermist, whatever that is, just <laughs> she can't help people to get stuffed. Um, but it's the two characters, uh, Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleeson, they play a couple who agree years ago when they're college sweethearts, if either of them is having a bad time, to press run, text it to each other, and they'll go on the run around America together, and with hilarious results, allegedly. Now, I don't really believe it, because in episode two, the husband of the woman cancels all her credit cards, which is why she's in a mess. Now, 
What woman in the modern age has a husband running her credit cards anyway? Now, interestingly, while I was researching this, in 1974, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act passed in the US, and women were allowed to have their own bank accounts and later then their own credit cards without their husbands. So why in drama do we still have men cancelling women's cards? <laughs> I tell you, if a man tried to cancel my card, he'd be cut up much quicker than the card would be. You'd, you'd stuff him, Jackie. <laughs> I've already got a wall of those, Brian. <laughs> Claudia, is this the end for Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Do you think, or is is she going to come back with oh, I don't know, gosh, go back I, to Fleabag? I, I hope not. I mean, I I don't think we've seen that series here yet, have we? Oh my God, maybe we won't after that. Um, I I just think Fleabag was such a huge success for her, so it was it was it was almost like she had to come down because she was she was at the top. That often happens, doesn't it? With somebody has such a huge success, and then then next project is just a little bit of a disappointment i know i think she's a huge talent I, I i can't imagine that this is she won't be back with something better and stronger does she play an american or is she or is she english i don't know i find it difficult with her accent it could uh, be right. anything she <laughs> sounds right. sometimes like the queen and sometimes like <laughs> someone from eastenders <laughs> your lookalike kate blanchett can always master an accent uh, wherever it is from maybe that's something to do with being australian uh, i don't i don't know brian uh, your your movie how how can we get hold of it is it going to be on in cinemas because we're yes. allowed back in those i believe yeah we are but no this is on uh, this is on vod streaming platforms curzon home cinema and uh, amazon prime video those those and, and quite a few others so uh, yeah no this is one that we need to watch on our tv screens uh, and Mrs. America, uh, what, Claudia, where, where can we see that? That's on iPlayer now, is it? Yeah, that's on BBC iPlayer now, yes. Or, or, or if you haven't got access to that, on BBC Two on a Wednesday night. And Jackie, we just can't see Run. It's yes, Run Away. It's on Sky Comedy. Oh, right. It's still there. Still I working. I presume so. I don't know. I watch only American TV sets. <clears throat> Catch it while you can, which is not something anyone has said about the pandemic. Uh, thanks very much, Brian, Claudia and Jackie. Nigel Planer started his career in the harem scarum world of new wave comedy back in the 80s, playing to audiences who enjoyed nothing more than hurling an ashtray at the stage if he didn't make them laugh. From there, after his magnificent turn as Neil, the hapless hippie in the great television comedy The Young Ones, Nigel spent much of his working life on the West End stage, starring in musicals from We Will Rock You to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. In between roles, he found time to write. And I'm delighted to say that Nigel joins me now from his home in the city of London to talk about his role in the second series of the BBC's There She Goes. Um, Nigel, it seems a really unexpected subject matter to centre a comedy drama around a child with severe learning difficulties. Uh, did you think it would work when you were approached to be in it first time? Uh, well, I, I first got the script and uh, it, it was quite a surprise, yeah, to think... Are they really going to do that? That's, that's amazing. Um, I mean, it's very innovative, very unusual. And I said, this, you know, this may be absolutely slated or it may be brilliant, but, you know, the script is so good and it's such a, an innovative idea that I did one of those things. I emailed back agent same day and said, I'm in. Uh, you play the little girl's uh, granddad. You're not on a lot, but what I love about, the role is that you kind of perfectly encapsulate that sort of bemused uncomfortableness, which I think a lot of us would feel in those circumstances. Yes, I, th I think he's bemusedly uncomfortable with 
with anything that's like <laughs> uh, uh, sort of hugging. You know, they didn't do that in my day. We didn't all hug each other, and we didn't. We did, you know, emotions are are really to be dealt with by the wife. I think for a man like that, and uh, he, but he, the, the sort of irony of his character is that he's the most favourite uh, relative the little girl has. She's got the nickname for him Gandalf, Grandpa Gandalf, and she she can't say much, but the thing she really can express is that she's desperately excited to see Gandalf, and she just loves Gandalf, and he's r really at a loss as to what to do with her, which is uh, which is ironic. It's it the whole program is full of things like that that are funny, but also touch. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I love the name Gandalf. It's it's the opposite of nom nominative determinism, isn't it? Because Gandalf is such a kind of magical figure, and this guy ain't magical. <laughs> no, he he's he's very much not. He's very much for proprieties as well, because a lot of her behaviour is fairly socially unacceptable or very very difficult for, for when they go out. It's very difficult coping with her. He just disappears into his boots when that happens. He can't bear it. Where's that come from, Nigel? I mean, am I right in saying you're a step granddad? Are, are you are you are you more hands on with your step grandchildren than he is? Um, yeah, I am a bit. It took me. It always takes me a, a little bit of a while to sort of unfree with those kind of things. I've got seven step grandchildren. Yeah, it took me a while, but we're really close now. My sons are roughly the same age group as my step-grandchildren so we used to go on holiday together and it it, it sort of turned into a an amorphous mush of <laughs> um so the distinctions between who everybody was became blurred and so i've sort of thawed out but initially it is quite difficult step parenting is is difficult for all concerned i've done it before i've done it loads of times <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there she goes. You you suggest is is a, a radical departure for a, a comedy drama. Well, you've been there before, haven't you? I mean, thirty eight years ago, the young ones, that was pretty radical. Did did it feel when you were doing it that you were sort of at the cutting edge of a new thing? Yes, it did feel like that. It did feel that we were at the cutting edge of a new thing, but not just with the young ones. We were. Uh, two years prior to that, we had started uh, in the comedy store and the, then the comic strip club. We were a sort of new wave of um, comedians from about 1980 to 1985. I remember uh, going along to uh, the comedy store in those days. It could be pretty brutal, couldn't it? There was the old gonging system. If you're no good, you no. get gonged. Did you ever get gonged? Uh, no, we never got gonged. Uh, me, when I say we, that's myself and my double act partner, Peter Richardson of the comic strip. The, yeah, the gong system was pretty brutal and throwing an ashtray at an act was even more brutal, really, than the gong. But there were some acts really were dire. <laughs> <laughs> they you deserved know. it, is what you're saying. No, I'm not saying they deserved <laughs> it. But it, with the kind of inclusion that's expected these days, you, you, you couldn't have it. And, of course, Alexis Sale was the compare, and so he was pretty brutal too, which was, you know, that was funny how brutal he was. Do you ever look back on it? I mean, do you, have, you, have you looked at a, a Young Ones recently? I mean, what, how, does it stand the test of time? Do you know, I haven't looked at the Young Ones. No, I did about when my 
sons were younger, I had a look. You know, one of them was looking on his on his laptop. Said, "Oh, look what I found!" And I, so I had a look then, but not really seriously through the whole series. The other thing that you've uh, become renowned for, I, I remember going to see uh, the first night, I think, of We Will Rock You. You were in that. You've you've yeah. become a kind of staple uh, of the West End of musicals. You were in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and so on. Yeah. Can you sing, Nigel? Yes, I used to be a singer. When I started out, I was actually in the original company as well of Evita, the, the original Evita in 1978. And I was understudying David Essex. Whatever your taste, he's got a, an incredibly high voice. I mean, he really can hit the, the top Cs. Uh, so I had to train up to be able to sing as high as him. But uh, before that, I was writing songs and making music and uh, doing backup singing, actually, for you know, recording backup singing. So, yes, I can, the answer to that. Not so much the, the, the big musical-type singing. That's not my taste. So I felt a bit out of place ending up in the, in the stage musicals where people have such big theatrical voices. Uh, the West End, of course, is, is, is dark. Uh, I mean, are you worried about its future? I, I suppose you must be. Everyone must be. Yeah, I mean, what can one say? When it first came out, my initial worry, and I did a lot online and put some money in as quick as I could to the equity fund, because the, the thing, if you work in the shows, is, is it's all very well saying we'll give a billion here and a billion there, I think. But in the short term, there's people with kids and mortgages and the show just closes and there's no backup. There's no, you can't be sort of furloughed. We're all self-employed. So I put some money in and tried my best to go online on my own. But there's, you know, bigger people than me have done that properly now and campaigned. But so it worried me initially. What's going to happen, dude? I don't know. I've got, I, I write plays now. I've got, um, well, not meaning to show off, but it's very difficult getting plays put on anyway. And I've got four sitting there, uh, ready to go, which I was just sort of trying to get into this theatre and that theatre and, and a musical that I've written with Anna Jane Fox, based on Faye Weldon's book, She Devil, the, the Life and Loves of a She Devil. We've been working on it for years. And we've just got it after many years to the stage of, We've done the workshop. You have to do the big cast workshop. We've got the management behind us. We've done several smaller workshops. So we're, we're sort of ready for production. And uh, in fact, we were due to do the, uh, the sort of pitch for it on March the 24th, I think. And we, that was, a, you know, that's the end of seven years' work. And, of course, that didn't happen. So we don't know what's going to happen to our own, you know, seven years' work, maybe gone, maybe back next year, who knows? You've written four plays. I mean, you, you, you toured a play with Adrian Edmondson. You've, you've got That's four right, plays yeah. on the go. You've got a, a, a musical coming up. During this period, have you found it a creative time? You also write poetry. Have you, have you come up with a whole volume of poems? Uh, no, I haven't written any poetry, but I have spent the first month just panicking. Then I, I got to do an audio book by a friend of mine. I used to do a lot of audio books. I uh, did most of Terry Pratchett's. And a friend of mine, David Luddington, has written a couple of books. And I was doing the audio books of his books. And the, the lockdown happened halfway through. But so we finished it from, from home, from here. 
And that got me thinking, I could write it. Why don't I do it? Because I've written, in the past, I wrote novels. And so I just finished yesterday. Um, so I've been working really hard writing a book with lots of funny characters in it that I can um, hopefully one day read out loud and play all the parts because it looks like, you know, writing a play or waiting for the business to wake up is, is a long wait. So recording at home made me think, hey, I could, why don't I just get on and do it, you know, do it myself. Oh, look forward to that. What's it called, Nigel? It's called Jeremiah Born in Time. It's about a, a, a bloke who finds that he can travel in time. He can't travel in space. He can only travel using some process in his mind that he doesn't fully understand at the beginning. He has to work out what's happening to him. It's like that thing when you've got, you're, you're thinking, where's my glass? I'm sure, I, I'm sure I left it on the table. And you're looking and you're looking. And you can't see it. And then you look again, and it's been there all along. So that's the sort of premise, is that the past is like that. So if you get your brain into that place where you can see it, you can, there you are. It was fun doing the recording with all the actors, but of course that was very expensive to do. You know, we had a fantastic cast. It's expensive doing that. So I thought, why don't I do it on the cheap? <laughs> And uh, it's, you know, labor intensive. You know, you've got to write your thousand words a day. But that's been good for me because otherwise I think I would have been going spare sitting, sitting at home without something to be working on. It's a musical. I could say it as a musical, Nigel. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for joining us. That's been brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed. And that's it from It's Friday this week. My thanks to Claudia Connell, Brian Viner and Jackie Stephen for their insights and to Nigel Planer for his reminiscences. Join me next week for more news from the entertainment frontline via Spotify, Apple or Google. Or sign up to Mail Plus for much more exclusive content at mailplus.co.uk. Until then, I'm Jim White. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time.